to another episode we got a very special episode for you guys this week we're gonna do a special mother's day edition we have our friend our colleague from mlse launchpad best lennox best say hello to the people and thank you for joining us hello and thank you so much for having me i am so excited to be here and like i said in when we were just kind of chatting beforehand i'm really new to the whole podcast thing which i know they've been around for a while but uh, i'm super new to it and i am i you are the first podcast that I am a fan of. So I've actually like listened to other ones and I love it. I, I love what you guys are doing. I, I love how well researched you are and who you're bringing onto the show. So anyway, I am very excited to be here and also just really thrilled to, you know, be spending my first Mother's Day uh, representing mothers on this show. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the kind words. We appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been quite the journey so far and we look forward to just keeping, keep growing this. But uh, on to the first question. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, where are you from, and how did you get into sports, playing sports, or even just watching sports? For sure. Thank you. So um, I guess the thing that now defines me is I'm Quentin's mom. I um, I have a five-month-old baby, and I'm somebody's mother, which is uh, the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the hardest thing. It's the most frustrating thing. It's the most challenging thing, but it is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, so I just feel really, really lucky um, and really it's really special to be this little boy's mom. And I was thinking before, you know, thinking this morning, knowing I was going to be talking to you guys that um, motherhood is sort of the most normal, the most natural, the most, you know, widespread thing in the entire world. And it's also the most personal and special, you know, I would say like, there are, I don't know how many women that give birth every single day and become moms. So it's just, it's just one of those things that happens, but like to you, it's this amazing life-changing sort of like transformative experience. That's like deeply personal. So it's a, on the one hand, it's this, you know, normal everyday thing. And on the other hand, it's this hugely life-altering thing at a, at a, at a very like individual level. So anyway, all that to say is I am a mom, which is, is pretty cool. Um, I grew up in Ottawa um, and sort of from there, went away to university and then uh, had the opportunity to live overseas for a little while, uh, moved back into the city to, to study and, and to work. Um, and then I've been in Toronto, I think like probably coming up six, seven years now, who knows, the time goes pretty quickly, but I've been in the city um, for a while. Um, and the way that I got into sports was actually through my mom. Um, she just, when I was little, she just signed me up um, for a soccer program. Uh, in our neighborhood. And, uh, and I mean, like most, uh, like a lot of kids, right, you just get involved in soccer, and everybody kind of chases the ball around. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and I played, I think I did t-ball in our neighborhood, you know, all that, that, that kind of stuff, just getting outside moving around. Um, but soccer, I think was my first introduction to, to like organized team sport and something that I stuck with for a really long time. Um, uh, somewhere that I made a lot of friends, uh, built confidence. Um, so that was sort of my introduction to it. I, I ended up loving and pursuing basketball, but, um, but soccer was that sort of first thing for me. And just as kind of like a, an aside to that is that I, 
you guys know me, we're, we all, we all work together. We're all friends. And, and, uh, I'm like really tall for a girl. I'm six one. And, and I think like getting involved in sports for me was, um, especially in those like teenage and those weird years, you know, where everything's uncomfortable and awkward and, and sort of you're, you're figuring out who you are. Sport for me was like just a huge, um, source of friendship, source of confidence. Um, and then ultimately something that like, I've, you know, made my life's passion and, and have just tried to, to stay engaged in. Well said. So speaking on the growing up in Ottawa part, um, so like you said, there was there was soccer, uh, there was t-ball that you played. What what made you get into to basketball? Well, like I said too, I'm I'm tall, so I sort of you know was gently directed that way at some point. Um, but uh, no, so yeah, so I played in the neighborhood. We had um, lived down the street from a school, and so in that in the schoolyard there were all kinds of. Um, community leagues that ran which is sort of where I started playing and then when I got into soccer um, into a little bit more organized soccer one of my teammates uh, her dad was a basketball coach and so you know I sort of did this organic process where played on this soccer team learned those skills um, and then also so did that in the summer and then in the winter shifted over and um, played with her her dad's basketball team Um, and again just like a little local club we played in Ottawa um, more so for fun (laughs) than than for anything else and for any like bigger um dreams but I just like really fell in love with the game um and uh, and then that that sort of translated to when I moved into high school to kind of taking it more seriously um staying involved in the club side and then also um being engaged like on my school team um you know putting in extra practices all that kind of stuff so that's sort of how I got uh, engaged and like moved cycled through and ended up um becoming like sticking with basketball quick question to add on to that you mentioned you're you're taller for for a female so do you think that playing soccer in the summer helped contribute to your coordination or your footwork skills on the basketball court because I know sometimes for younger kids growing up that um, clumsiness and coordination sometimes takes a while for it to catch up so do you find that that helped yeah, Mandela. I feel like that's a little bit of like a leading question, you know, like, do you think that this, <laughs> yeah, of course, like definitely. And I, and I think it's like, um, you know, to the work, speaking to the work that we do too, like we, uh, I think there's a ton of uh, press about um, athletes, you know, being identified at such young ages in a particular sport and hyper-focusing on, on a, on a, uh, you know, on a, being a hockey player or being a basketball player when you're like nine years old. Um, and yeah, to your point, playing soccer gave me this huge, um, skill set, like my, uh, ability to move laterally, like, uh, p- position play, um, my footwork, all of that stuff was really important and was what I got from soccer. I also did, I, I did ballet, um, which I think is another thing that's like really um, great, uh, especially so being tall in terms of your posture, in terms, again, of your coordination, your balance, your strength, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I played volleyball, um, all of those things, and I continued to play in high school. And I think that all of those things 100% contributed um, to me being able to play basketball. Uh, and, and then the other thing too, like, I think injuries are, see Jamal Murray, right? Just, that just happened. And, and, and they're, they're, they're a reality at any stage of the game. And for any player, um, ACL injuries like that are actually way more prevalent among women athletes, um, and girls and playing a variety of sports, moving in different ways, you know, working different muscles that all actually 
allows you to uh, hopefully try and, you know, you can't eliminate all risk, but definitely it makes you stronger as a, as a whole athlete. So to answer your question, yes, 100% being a soccer player initially um, helped me with actually, you know, most everything that I did after that. Love it and love the way you put it. Agreed, Manny. Uh, so just touching on the love that you have for the game of basketball, what was it like uh, growing up and hearing about the two Canadian franchises being added to the NBA at the time? And if before they were added, what teams were you able to watch uh, and kind of enjoy watching? Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a great question. Um, honestly, I grew up watching. So my dad, um, we didn't have cable when I was growing up. And uh, when the when March Madness when the NCAA tournament came on my dad would just like get cable for that month so I think that I I really did grow up watching um basketball but watching like college level basketball was primarily um what I was watching and I think that being in Ottawa at the time that the NBA franchises came to the country it was a little bit more removed from me than it might have otherwise been you know had I been in Toronto I think my engagement with that might have been higher, you know, and my basketball team might have gone to games. Like there might've been a little bit more um, with that. So my biggest recollections are watching um, college with my dad um, and then, you know, going to practice and, and that kind of thing. I think that the game coming to Canada in that way and, uh, and you see that like watching the Carter effect, right? The movie, just how that changes like perspectives and outcomes for kids who then grow up with this as a possibility and an idea, right? You see these guys and they're in your own backyard and they're doing this and they're pursuing it. Um, and so I think in that way, like it, it really shifts and, and it changes things. Um, and then for me, uh, like as a, as a girl playing sports, what happened, you know, two years later with the WNBA coming on to the scene, that's huge right, in terms of um, outcomes for, like, women and where you can see yourself, because I think, like, watching male professional athletes in your country is really cool, and it's, like, a, a it's a whole vibe, and, and obviously, it's grown to be this, a really amazing thing in this amazing community, um, but then you see a couple years later with, oh, hey, I can actually, like, do this, too. There's a league for me, and there's, like, a place for me if I continue to play, so I think those things happening, in tandem, the expansion of the NBA and then, you know, the creation of the WNBA, which will be celebrated its 25th um, anniversary this year. Those are just like, those are cool things. And they do mean different things to different people, but uh, ultimately, like they, they sort of expand where you think you can go and what you think you can do. That's a great answer. Thank you. And I'm wearing my hoodie today. I mean, I know you guys can see my WNBA hoodie, right? So I yeah. see it. I see it. Yeah, it's nice. To keep on the basketball topic, um, you played university basketball in Canada. I believe back then it would have been the CIS, not U Sports. Um, you played for Western and University of Ottawa. Um, can you take us a little bit through your experience um, playing university basketball in Canada and some of your fondest memories? Yeah, how long do you have, Mandela? Is this like like a three-hour podcast? Or we got all day. We got all day. <laughs> um, yes, so I did uh, my undergraduate at the University of Western and then I went to the University of Ottawa to do my master's and I was able to play in both by like you know how some things happen in your life and at the time you're like oh this is terrible um, and then ultimately it kind of ends up being 
for the best. So I had, uh, you know, we just talked a little bit injuries that happened to anybody. So I had knee surgery when I was in high school, I had my first knee surgery. I had my second one in my first year of university. And then I had my third knee surgery in my second year of university. So there was kind of like, you know, four or five years there where I just was in and out of surgery and it wasn't the most fun um, period for me. But that meant that I then had eligibility left over that when I went to um, study at the University of Ottawa, I still had a year left to play. Uh, and that meant that I could play there, which was anyway, I'll tell you, but it ended up being just so wonderful and such an amazing opportunity. Um, so for me, playing basketball at Western um, just was like a real privilege. I, I kind of, I, you know, when I first started to play, I didn't think that I would continue to play. I didn't know that you could get um, the scholarships in Canada have kind of shifted, but that you can, you could get money at the time for academics and uh, athletics. Um, and, uh, and that I could allow you to like pursue a post-secondary education. So that was really neat for me. And then I think a thing that you'll hear from pretty much everybody that plays uh, sport or who's involved in like a club or something that they care about is that it's the people that make it special. So, um, you know, I still, we're in COVID right now. So we do Zoom calls instead of, you know, meeting in person. But um, the girls that I played with are still some of my best friends, um, which I feel so lucky. Um, I feel so lucky to have them in my life. And, you know, for us to have had that shared experience, that means that we continue to stay in touch. Um, on the basketball side, when I played there, we were actually pretty good. Um, we, uh, we just happened to be there at the time when um, Windsor was sort of like rising in national prominence. I don't know, for a while, Windsor women's basketball was like, they just won all the championships. Um, and we kind of were there. Uh, they started off not being great. And then uh, Chantal Valet took over as head coach and, you know, her recruiting, she got international players to come and play a couple of uh girls like Alyssa Wolf who had been at the University of Michigan transferred back this girl Jernadia Rock uh who um was just excellent came back from the states too to play there that's what happened a lot I think so now we see more girls and more women playing you know in when we're looking at the recent NCAA tournament right on March Madness on the women's side you see Canadian girls in all of those top teams right um at South Carolina at Stanford like um, Arizona, ev everywhere. There, there are Canadian girls there. What happened a while ago, like when I was playing is when girls first started going over is they were going to like lower level teams or uh, different situations. And it wasn't always, it didn't always work in their best interest. And, and, you know, the programs were still finding themselves. Now I think girls are going over to established programs and they're having like really positive experiences and they're anyway, they're getting drafted to the, the WNBA. Like it's just, it's a really, you know, playing at UConn. I mean, Kia nurse, you have to look no further. Um, when I was playing, it was sort of a different thing. So a lot of girls that went over ended up coming back. Um, but yeah, so Windsor had this really strong team. So Ontario was, uh, we just, unfortunately never got out of Ontario. We never made it to nationals when I was at Western. Um, but in my last year there, I was an all Canadian. Um, so that was pretty cool for me. Like that was a, a highlight for sure. Um, being identified, you know, as one of like the five best players in the country, even though you have a lot of the best talent, obviously deep in the country. And I think too, when I look at girls, you know, we talked about me being tall. When I look at girls, my height now, um, and playing in that NCAA tournament, when I'm watching, I'm like, man, I like, I don't have those handles. I don't have, and uh, you know, I don't have that like that three pointer. The the skill set required um, is just uh, is like it's so high now. Um, and girls who are playing that power forward or center position, like they're six four, 
you know, it's not, I'm not, uh, it's not six one. I'm not like banging down low. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be very effective um, at that. Um, and Mandela, I think that goes back to, to what we were talking about before. It's like, yeah, soccer definitely benefited me. You know what else benefits kids is like not pigeonholing them in a position, right? Cause I was tall growing up. So I played in the post a lot of the time. So developing those like guard skills um, wasn't something that was top of a priority list. So I kind of always played inside. I got better at doing other things, but you know, I, I was more of like a 15 foot player. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's just really incredible to see like how far things have come. But anyway, that's a lot of information to say that I really love my time at Western and it was awesome. Um, and then when, uh, when I got to play at the University of Ottawa from a, I was a little bit older. Um, so it was really cool to kind of like be in a little bit of a mentorship capacity to some of the girls who were coming in, some of the younger girls. Like that was a really uh, cool opportunity for me. Um, and then from a purely basketball perspective, we won Ontario and we came third at nationals. So that was like just amazing. <laughs> it was, um, I'd always wanted to go to nationals and, but then when you get to nationals, you're just like, oh, we're, we want to win this. And um we came close. We, there is a bronze medal game. We won bronze and it actually, it, uh, to us, it, it really felt like winning gold. It was a really um, important season. Windsor ended up winning that year, but we beat them in, uh, at Ontario. We, we crushed them. That it was the biggest, you know, those games when just nothing goes wrong. And we shot like 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the line. And we beat them by 50. So it's no big deal. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just like, it was a really, really, um, a really cool season. And I was so, again, that happened because I injured myself because of something that I, when that happened, I was like, oh, this is the worst thing. And then it ends up, um, yeah, being something super positive for me. So, uh, so yeah, I, I just, I loved my time um, at both universities. Um, I'm so fortunate that I got to play uh, in both places. Um, and then from a basketball perspective, my experience was positive and but more so on like the personal level, having, continuing to have all those girls in my life uh, is, is really important to me. Yeah. That's, that's my three hour summary. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, was, was awesome. that was awesome. I had no idea you were an all Canadian. I mean, I've seen you putting up shots at that launch pad and you definitely got the jumper, but. Oh yeah. I'm old. Canadian I'm old now, Mandela. It's not, it's not the same, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was fun. It was fun. And, and I think I was just, this is just um, a little, a little plug too. I don't know. I've been listening to now that you guys, now that unknown Tio has got me a little bit into podcasts, I've listened to some other ones and, and uh, I've heard, uh, been here listening to, to some athletes talk about, um, you know, what separates athletes and that kind of thing. And, and it's just uh, work ethic is huge. Right. So yeah, I am, I am, I'm tall, um, but uh, I really can't jump very high. It's sort of embarrassing. Um, and like, I'm not super fast or anything. I'm just uh, not the most athletically gifted, but yeah, working hard um, will get you places. Uh, it will get you a lot of places um, and, and trying hard. And like, it's, uh, it's really important. And I know we talked to the kids about it at Launchpad, right? Just like the effort that you put in and, and, and how, how uh, on and off the court, how important that is. But yeah, it's big. It's big. Awesome. Um, so staying with your basketball careers at the universities you went to, after that, you had an opportunity to go overseas to Australia and play some basketball there. So how was it like to play in a different setting? And what were some of the experience you took from playing overseas? 
Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I think I was really lucky. So I played in Australia and I played in Switzerland. Those were the two places that I was able to play overseas. And I had, again, really positive experiences in both. It's very different when you're like brought over and being paid to play than when you're part of like a group of student athletes uh, participating at the university level or even just with your friends playing for fun, obviously. Um, you know, you're, the expectation is that like your, your talent level is there and that you work to maintain it. Um, and it's not so much about like team schematics or like individual improvement. It's more just about winning games. Um, so that was definitely an adjustment. Uh, Cause one of the, the team camaraderie piece is like something that I just value so much in the sport. Um, so that's a little bit different, right? When it's just the expectation that you like put up numbers. And if you don't, um, uh, you're kind of, you know, you're in a tough spot, um, as opposed to the university level, it's much more focused on the collective. Um, but that being said, I did, I had just so such positive experiences in both places. Um, and that was again, hugely in part of the people who hugely because of the people who were like, um, involved in both teams from the coaching staff to the people that I played with, um, to the places that I played. Um, it was just, uh, it was really remarkable. And those are experiences that I wouldn't have got otherwise, right. I wouldn't have got them unless I uh, pursued them through sport. Um, I would never have ended up in Australia. Probably <laughs> I wouldn't have friends on the other side of the world. You know, I wouldn't have traveled to Switzerland and gotten to travel all around Europe. Um, if it weren't for basketball. So that I, I obviously, um, I'm so grateful for and, and, and feel so fortunate. The thing that's interesting in both of those places, and I know, again, just before we started uh, recording, you were kind of talking about what's going on with the Super League and the teams in, in Europe. So, but basketball functions much the same, much in much the same way as soccer in that there's like um, individual country leagues. And then there's also like the European, like the, the broader league. So we would play, when I was in Switzerland, we'd play against like other clubs in Switzerland, but also, you know, from around um, Europe. So that was really cool. Um, and then the other thing too, is like the club system that makes it so different from Canada. So in Canada, we play sports, um, in school or like in a club, but not every club has like different age groups. You can just kind of have one team at one level or whatever it is. But, uh, whereas in both Australia and Switzerland, it's super organized, right? So you have from the youngest age group right up to that, the teams that I was playing on that paid pe people to play, um, you have teams at every different level so I was with Elios Basquet in Switzerland and with you know the Southwest Slammers in Bunbury in Australia and so they had team little guys teams all the way up to those like teams where people were paid to participate so that was really cool and then the other thing too in Australia they were most of the imports as they call them, uh, are American that go over. So uh, when I was in Australia on the guys team, there were a couple Americans on, on their squad. Um, so that was cool, like getting to hear from them and their experiences. And then when I was in Switzerland, I had a couple other imports on my team. This one woman from Croatia, and then there was this other uh, girl from um, Chicago, Keisha, who played at UNLV. And, uh, and that was cool too. Like she was a, she was a really, 
she could hoop. <laughs> she was a really good player. Um, and she was kind of, her and I were like sort of at the similar level. And then um, Simona, who was from Croatia, this was a woman who had like made playing basketball her life across Europe. So she'd gone to different uh, different teams and, you know, she was in like her late thirties and this is this was her career. And I know she now coaches over there. So that was a little bit of a, a different path as well. And something that was kind of like neat to see somebody who was just pursuing that, uh, um, not, not through the WNBA, like not like not good enough or not good enough, not noticed, not, not American, you know, to go that route, but somebody who was like making this their life. So it was interesting. And then we had younger players too, who were just part of that club system who played up. So the whole thing was a very like cool experience. And I think that in terms of differences too, like the style of play in Europe, it's a little bit different and, and whatever, but it's just, it's just basketball. Um, and so, uh, as long as, again, as long as I was working hard and, um, things, things went pretty well. Just, you caught my attention with the, like the club system, because that's, that's how the rest of the world is. We think in North America that you buy into the league, you get your franchise and that's, that's how it is. But most, most of the world it's, you start a club and then it grows over like a hundred years and it gets to being this top tier club within a bunch of lesser teams underneath it. And it all feeds kind of like a pyramid. Um, so I'm just curious with the teams you were at, cause I know uh, with soccer, like for example, Barcelona, they Barcelona not only operates a men's soccer team and a women's soccer team, they also operate a volleyball team for both men and women. They operate an ice hockey team for both men and women, like floor hockey, basketball. So they, they operate in different sports. I'm curious if, like you mentioned there was a men's team for both clubs you're at. Was there any other sports as well? So for the particular clubs that I played for in Australia, we had a men's team um, in Switzerland. It was just the women's team, um, but other, other clubs in our league um, also had men's teams affiliated with them. And then the other sports had clubs, but it wasn't like, like you're saying, it wasn't like, you know, our basketball um team had different clubs associated with it. it it was just uh purely basketball but it is it is it's like interesting and it's a pretty organized and um you know you have guys that are in the nba now who are coming through those types of systems and it, it's it's uh anyway it's it's pretty good and i mean a lot of the stuff too when we when you're looking at the NCAA tournament and talking about March Madness, it's school isn't for everybody necessarily. And, and to have like your school and your sport be so tied together at the high school level, at the university level, it doesn't work for everybody. Um, so that club system um, and, you know, the issue of equity, whether if you have to pay in, whereas opposed to in school, you know, in high school and stuff, you can play for free. That's maybe something that is worth a discussion, but it's like, it's, it's pretty interesting to have them uh, so separate everywhere else, right? Like you go to school and then you like play sports over here. So it's, uh, yeah, anyway, it, it was, it was neat. And I got to like coach some of the younger um, teams in both Switzerland and in Australia. And that was a really cool, a really cool thing too, to be involved in that and just like then get to know the community that way and, uh, and, and yeah, meet the kids and um, sort of help develop that club system that you were part of. Mm -hmm. So going off that point, as you got a chance to coach, uh, we know now you're with, with Launchpad, but before Launchpad, you, and after playing, you ended up with Ontario basketball. So can you kind of just go over how you ended up there and what, what you did there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, um, this is a fun fact or not, you know, whatever, but it is what it is, is that when I finished uh, university, I started working for the federal government and I worked for foreign affairs. So I worked, um, 
I worked on Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation, so APEC, and um, and I was able to, in the time that I was with Foreign Affairs, I was able to travel. Uh, I went to um, Bali, like in Indonesia. I went to Qingdao in China. I was like overseas for these summits and these conferences, and it was like really cool and interesting work. Um, but that's what actually made me get back into sport. Is I've I was that I was the kid who in the fifth grade was doing like projects on the United Nations uh, Millennium Development Goals, right? Like that that sort of like the UN perspective, the like global development, that's always been of such interest to me, what's going on elsewhere. So when I was able to work for the foreign service, I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. Um, and I started doing it and it was cool and it was interesting, but like this passion piece that is sport for me was missing. Um, so that's actually, I took like a full half pay cut and I went to Ontario basketball to, you know, to pursue my passion, which ultimately obviously was the right decision for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was so lucky to, to get to work there. So that's moved me from uh, Ottawa. I came and moved to Toronto and just commuted to the offices in Whitby. So I kind of did like the opposite of what the rest of the world does. I lived in the city and worked outside of it. Uh, as opposed, So when I was getting on the go train in the morning, I would be like the one person sprinting for the train that was leaving the city. Well, like literally, you know, thousands of people are just like getting off the train coming into the city. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And, and that was, it was such an amazing experience for me because working for Ontario basketball, it's uh, a fairly small organization and um, as a provincial sports organization. And so you got to do a lot of different things, um, which I think like starting out is, is really cool and really important. Um, and my portfolio was the community development portfolio. So, um, and there hadn't been somebody in that position for a while. And so that was an opportunity to like reconnect with community organizations and to kind of uh, push it in a direction that uh, made sense and, and that hopefully like benefited the people uh, that we wanted it to benefit and 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 uh, and and who you know where that access to sport um, would really play a big role. So so much of what we did um, as the coordinator there, I I was directly involved in delivering a lot of the programming. So we went into schools. We did a huge. Um, push in schools, you know, we focused a lot on physical literacy, like we do at Launchpad. Um, we also supported organizations that were already working in the community. So I got to build a lot of great relationships that I actually still maintain to this day. Um, and, you know, brought over to Launchpad, which I, I think has been really um, helpful. And just like, it's really, it's important, you know, it's just, it's just important to care and not care from like nine to five when you're supposed to and when you're working. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys do this outside of those hours, but it's it's important to actually care um, and to uh, to stay in touch with people to help where you can to support, to learn, you know, to grow. So, um, so yeah, I just feel really fortunate. That was such a good introduction for me um, and a good opportunity for me to educate myself about what's going on in the city. Yeah, what types of programs um, could we support? What kind of support can we provide? And then where can we um, lead? Like what, what can we do in schools that would be beneficial? Um, what can we do on the like coach education front? That was something else that I was involved in. So um, leading like basketball fundamentals clinics for coaches and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so those were all like different facets of it. It was a lot of program delivery, a lot of like supporting programming, uh, that was already happening with resources and then the coach education side. So that was really cool. It's like a really cool opportunity to be, you know, not only sitting behind a desk, but like doing that work, but um, also being out uh, with the kids and the community and um, going to events and all that. I, I loved it. I, I really, really loved it. And I really valued my time there. Um, 
And I don't know, I don't know, I didn't know Justin before uh, I came to Launchpad, but I did meet with him. So I was working on Ontario basketball and I heard about this like amazing new organization, MLC Launchpad that was starting up. And, uh, you know, in, in the beginning, there's like, prior to it opening, there's like not, there's information about what it's going to be, but I, I didn't really, I was just like, yes, a sport for development organization. This is something I've, when I was doing my master's, I wrote a paper on, about this, yeah, using sport as a tool for development. And it was more like globally focused, but this at a community level in a city that I know, like that's, that's really exciting. Um, so Justin and I met actually, because like I said, we provided resources to different programs. Um, and I just wanted to learn about what was going on and how we could support. And when I met with him, then it's like backed by MLSE and, you know, it's, they've already, was, oh, you don't need basketballs. Cool, cool, cool. You're already partnering with Jumpstart. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that, the kind of um, resources, I guess, that we could provide, they, they obviously uh, already had, but it was like a really great introduction into what the space was going to be. And I was so interested and I'm not sure if that helped me get my job, but maybe it did. So that's another, uh, you know, it's just like uh, cool being connected in the community and then you get to sort of know more things and meet more people. And that's, that's really important. Really neat. Well said, well said. Um, I can speak to, to, for Matt and Mandela and for probably, I, I think most likely, and I'm, I'm just going to say for all the part-time staff uh, at Launchpad, you, the, the care that you just displayed in, in your answer there, that, that shows uh, that, that really shows to us. And we honestly, now, now you are, uh, officially a mother with Quentin, but you have always felt since you got to Launchpad, um, you felt like the mom of Launchpad. You, you've all kind of filled that motherly role for all of us when we're at work. And we, we thank you for that because you've really, the passion you put into your job allows us to do what we do. And, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to add. Man, Manny or Matt want to add anything else? That, that kind of makes my question a little easier to uh, propose. But, you know, as best and everyone we've said, uh, she works with us at MLSE Launchpad. Uh, she's one of our bosses, colleagues. Um, so you were explaining a little bit about how you heard about Launchpad and some things that you witnessed. But what are the, some of the things you do there in your position yes. uh, with Launchpad? So Matt, you said colleague, best friend. He just left that one out. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Major best friend. Um, yeah, so what do I do uh, at Launchpad? I just like honestly have a lot of fun. I think is is really what I do. I just like really have a good time um, because I think that the work that we do is so important, um, and the people that we do it with are so amazing, um, and the youth that we serve and that we get to interact with on a daily basis are, um, you know, fun and challenging and inspiring and. Uh, emotionally exhausting and, and wonderful. And, you know, uh, we learn so much from them um, as much as we try and, and, and teach, we learn so much. So um, I just think that being there is, is really wonderful. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm obviously now on maternity leave. So it's a little bit different, but I did at the beginning of the pandemic, like once we moved to online programming and we weren't able to see each other in person and we weren't able to interact with the kids. I just, I, I honestly felt like, I know we were doing online stuff and continue to do online stuff, which is so important, but I did feel like a little bit of a void um, because I, I realized how much that meant to me. Do you know what I mean? Like how much being in that space meant uh, to me. And that was like seeing you guys and joking, you know, and, and like finding out what was going on in your lives. And, um, and then also just like 
being around the energy of the kids. Like that's if Launchpad were open right now, Quentin and I would just be like there most nights, <laughs> just hanging out. You know, I get him get have him get a feel for the space so that when he's old enough, he can participate. But um, but yeah, I, I just really like being there. And and what I do, um, hopefully, what I do is uh, is help to like facilitate those good times. You know, I uh, work with the the other teams, so like the research team and the programs and partnerships team um, to develop programming and then measure that programming. And we're also working obviously with all of the staff. So it's like at the hourly and the full-time level to develop those curriculums, to deliver those curriculums, you know, to, to report back on those curriculums. Um, so that's like, you know, just kind of generally, and then the staff management side. So working with you guys, um, I think learning from you guys, I think has been, that is the part of the job that I like, loved the most uh, alongside working with the kids is um, because it's not only about, uh, it's, as we all know, it's not only about sport and it's not only about like the six-year-olds and the seven-year-olds who come in this space, but it's also about like the 19-year-olds, the 25-year-olds, the 27-year-olds who work in the space. Um, and, uh, and that is like, that's just huge. How can we all benefit from being here? How can we all like make each other better by being here? Um, how can we all better our community by being here? Um, so I think that that's really important. And then something that is really important to me in that role too, is like, how can we lift up, um, promote, uh, encourage girls to participate in sport and continue to participate in sport. And so I had the opportunity to like work on a number of programs and projects that did just that. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's something that's like just really important, uh, in the work that we do. Um, and, uh, and something that I'm really proud of, something that I'm really proud that we focus on. So, um, so yeah, I think that that's sort of, I don't, I just like get to have a good time, I think. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and focus on, you know, keeping girls engaged. Cause something I will say is, is girls participation in sport is about more than just like the physical activity component, even though those, that is important. Um, statistics are like pretty alarming. You know, if a girl doesn't participate in sport by the time she's 10 years old, there's only a 10% chance she'll be physically active when she's 25. Um, and we all know the benefits of physical activity, both like the physical and the mental benefits. Um, but beyond that, like I talked about my self-confidence, right. And my relationships, and that is true uh, for girls generally around who participate in sport. Um, and then something else that I'm like really aware of, uh, obviously as a white woman in this position, like working in community and in community sport is that um, girls and women aren't just like one thing, right? Um, so how do we welcome all girls, all uh, people who identify as girls, um, you know, we're talking about like black girls, indigenous girls, what additional barriers are they facing to their participation in sport? What additional benefits can they get from, uh, their participation in sport? And then also just not like using, I'm, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I mean, I'm a, a woman. I have to be on my own side, but realizing that feminism, when we're talking about it, generally we're talking about it in like relation to white women. You know, when you say women make 70 cents on the dollar to men, that's like, that's a white woman. And there are additional barriers and additional, um, considerations for, uh, for other women. So, um, and I have to work in this space and I have to be aware of those things, um, and care about those things. So I think that that's something that has been like just a real joy for me, honestly, is working with, uh, all of our staff working with all of our kids. And then in addition, having the like 
real privilege to work with our women's staff on some of these like very important initiatives for the girls who come into our space. So yeah, I guess it's like not really what I do. It's just like what I love about <laughs> what we do or, you know, that, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I just get to work in a really, uh, what I think is a really positive environment and just try to like contribute to that positive environment. Very so. well said. Yeah. I, I can say on countless times, I, I don't have enough fans or toes to count the amount of the times I've called Bess or texted Bess uh, to just chat about stuff at work or when I come into the space, first person I'm looking for is Bess and going up to the desk. And it just shows that like the, the care that you have, like Corey said. So again, appreciate everything you do for us at the, the facility and everything you do outside of the facility for us as well. Yeah, no, totally. I agree with what they said. I mean, you go to work, there's obviously people, you know, your colleagues, some you get along with more than others. And then there's those who like, every time you go in, you have to say hi, or like at least chop it up as we call it, like check in with them. You're one of those people. Thank you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm an emotional person already. I'm super more emotional as a, as a mom. As, and I, like I told you before, as a mom who gets no sleep, but I, I do, uh, I really, really appreciate that. And I just like, like I said, I, it's, yeah, I really value the relationships uh, that we have. And so thanks, it means a lot. We are awaiting your arrival patiently, no rush. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so um, speaking about Quentin, um, what has it been like since he's, since, have, since bringing him along five months ago? And obviously it's a unique time with COVID. So what have been some of the different obstacles, challenges? I mean, you just mentioned one, which is a pretty common one, the lack of sleep. But what are some of the other things that like uh, maybe you didn't expect or you expected some of the joys, just that sort of stuff? Uh, thanks, Mandela. That is a lovely question. And yeah, I think the lack of sleep is something that like people joke about, haha, but it's not, it's not a joke. It's like I, I thought I I it wasn't honestly something that I was super worried about because I was like, ah, I don't I don't need that much sleep, whatever. But the physical exhaustion is real. Um, but uh but some of the things that I didn't expect, again, I, I told you guys, and you know me, I'm like a fairly emotional person and I, I, I love pretty easily and, you know, pretty deeply, but this, this level of like unconditional love um, where somebody can wake me up, you know, five times a night, <laughs> every night. Um, and I am still happy to see them. That's, uh, that's pretty deep. It's, it's also, you know, it's like when he was born, it was just like, I already knew him, you know? Oh yeah. It was, it, we didn't know, um, uh, you know, the sex of the baby. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't know anything about who this little human was going to be. And he was born and it was just like, oh yeah, it's, it's you, you know, I, I know you, I love you. Um, and that sort of like instant connection was also a bit of a surprise to me. Um, how instantly there is nothing in the entire world that I would not do to keep that baby safe, you know? Um, sorry. <laughs> um, that like his health and happiness uh, sort of matter to me above all else. Um, it's one of those things like, how did it, why did I ever care about anything else? <laughs> you know, this little guy comes along and he just sort of changes everything. Um, so those were, those were things that, you know, you kind of hear about, but when they, when they hit you, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable and it's pretty like, it's just life altering. Uh, you know, you're never, you're never ever going to be the same. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that, I think those have, those have been some things that have been like, it's, it's a little bit of a roller coaster, obviously, but, uh, but those are things that, that I've, that have stood out for me. Um, and then in having a baby in COVID, 
I found out I was pregnant just as the world shut down, honestly. Like in the beginning of March, there was this, ah, this is so exciting. And then everything shuts down. Um, and I think that 2020 bleeding into 2021 with the pandemic, and you know, we've talked about this at work with the the side-by-side pandemic of racism and of anti-black racism that's come to the surface or it's always been at the surface, but you know, that's been part of the public consciousness in a way that people haven't necessarily been able to look away from um, in ways that, you know, you maybe quote unquote normally would if the, if the world were not shut down. Um, it's been a terribly challenging time for so many people. And I've just then been carrying this small human that I've been so excited about it. It's been, it's really weird, right? You have all this stuff going on in the world and all these things to, to, care about and people to check in with and things to act on. And then, you know, you're building a, a human being, which like personally on a personal level is so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so life altering. And then when he's born, it, I mean, it just, uh, was just amazing. So I think that that, the timing of it, right. Is, is something where it's, um, it's pretty unique. Um, and, uh, and then just yeah, not being able to like him, not being able to see, to meet my friends, not being able to bring him to Launchpad, like I said, not him not meeting his grandparents, uh, not being able to spend time with them um, or with his aunts and uncles, like that. That's that's tough, right? Because it's just time that you don't get back. He's not. He's he's three weeks on the day. He's three weeks, and then he's older, right? You you can't move back, and you can't get that time back. Um, so I think that that is challenging. Um, but personally, for Spencer, for my husband and, and myself, like um, having Spencer being working from home he gets to be involved in things that he might not otherwise, you know, he's taking his lunch break and then he can play with Quentin and it's just, um, there have been, I guess, some positives on, on that front. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, and, and, and I think too, right. We, we know people or we have friends or, or family who are trying to work from home and, um, get their six-year-old set up on their zoom online learning and, you know, make food and, and deal with everything else that's happening. So I think it's just a really, uh, a unique time for everybody. And, uh, and I'm on maternity leave and I'm just looking after this little man. And yeah, there are some things that I would really like to be different, but, um, on the whole, I'm really lucky. And I just get to you know, spend time with him every single day, which is really cool. And at this stage too, you just get to see him. Like, he's just like, you can see his little brain. It's like, he's figuring all this stuff out. You know, you, you see him one day and then the next day he can do things that he couldn't do yesterday. So, um, yeah, there, if, if you, if you thought I could give a, or if I was going to give a three hour response on my time playing basketball, just wait for this 10 hour monologue on my baby. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. PowerPoint presentation, (laughs) everything's how many pictures did you want me to send you? Is that like, I just, I can't remember. <laughs> did you ask for 300? The whole album. Or, I'm not sure. The whole, yeah. Whole album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the album's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's been that uh, anyway, it's been, it's been all those things. No, well, well said. That's awesome. So speaking of, of motherhood and, and you being, uh, of course, a new mom, is there something you can take away from, from your mother that that's maybe helped you or you look, you look to use in the future as Quentin gets older. Yes. Um, yeah, I think, uh, absolutely. Mom, moms are, moms are pretty special. Um, I think we can all agree moms are, uh, anyway, and, and becoming one moms are strong and they're, they're emotional and they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, 
anyway, obviously people are different, but I think mothers in, in, in a lot of ways share some characteristics and that like fierce love of their children um, is, is definitely one of them. But for me, my mom, um, what I want to, my mom is just like, she's just always there. So uh, if I need to talk to somebody, um, if I, uh, you know, re- need reassurance or uh, somebody to, to, to cry to, somebody to be happy about things to, my mom is there. Um, and for me, that's so important. And that's something I, I just want to be there for my son. Um, and then in terms of my mom as a person, um, I think like her kindness stands out for me and her, her sort of like behind the scenes compassion. <laughs> so there'll be people, you know, who will say, oh, like your mom did this for me, or your mom, you know, called and checked in on me, or your mom gave me this, or your mom um, showed up to this event. And, uh, and she does those things without seeking any kind of praise for them, or, you know, for anybody knowing that she did that, um, just to really like, be there for people and to value people and, and to, and to, to show people that they're important. Um, and I just, I want to do that. You know, I want to be that person. Um, so for me, from the example of my mother, like that's something that I really um, hope to take away. I hope something that I hope to be. <laughs> so, yeah, moms are moms are pretty great. Agreed. Mothers do some pretty spectacular things without, uh, without being prompted and some, they go above and above and beyond. That's the only way to put it. The call of duty, you could put it. But um, yeah, so... That about wraps it up for this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Best, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a privilege to have you. You have had some great insights, some great answers, some great stories. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Listen to Unknown TO. They're doing such a great job. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I am... Um, I mean, in these, in these times, like we've talked about, I am so happy to see you guys. I, and I, I just, honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful that you would think of me and ask me to be on uh, your podcast. I hope that I did okay. Um, and I'm just really, um, yeah, happy to see you and, and, and so happy to catch up. So thank you. All right. And that about wraps up this week's episode. Thank you again to Best for coming on. Thank you to everyone listening. For Mandela, Matt, and myself, We wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day. And you know what's coming. Three, two, one. Peace!